Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals to another episode talking about Steins Gate. This time it's, oh my god, I lost track of it. It is episode 17 and 18. 17 and 18. Thank you. Um, I'm Alex. Hi, this is Blixa. And hey, it's Ben here with little Lucy. So I'm not going <gasps> oh to be super uh, loud or present this episode. It's going to be our ASMR episode. Yeah. So that makes two very special guests. First time for Lucy on the show, but second time, uh, no, third time. This makes a hat trick. Now you're a friend of the show. Uh, Marley is back. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So, so Marley, what, what's been going on with you? Is there any new anime that's on your radar? Have you been making the podcast tour? What, what's going on with you? Well, I've been a little busy getting married. Yay, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Alex was there. Mm-hmm. Oh, right it was on. pretty, I think. Uh, oh my gosh, tell them about your dress. It must have been 25 pounds. Uh, it was 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> my dress weighed about 20 pounds. I, I never thought that I was the ball gown kind of girl until I walked into the bridal store and said, well, let's try that one on just for, you know, laughs. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then put it on and went, oh, I feel like a queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it had like feathers and... Yeah, it was it was huge. Um, and I loved it. You definitely looked like one. It kind of reminded me of the Sailor Moon white dress. <gasps> oh, okay. See, oh. It, it was nothing like that. Alex is incorrect. <laughs> but I mean, what girl has not dreamed of being wed in the Princess Serenity dress? I, I did try on dresses kind of similar to that. Yeah. And I had to I had to consider. I was like, do I want the Princess Serenity dress with a giant bow in the back? So giant <laughs> bows are love. <laughs> No, no, I want the, the queen dress. The <laughs> but yeah, it was a Shakespeare themed wedding. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's essentially that's been my life. And then and, and and then as soon as the wedding was over, my rabbit got really sick. Um and we've been tending to her ever since. So that's my life at the moment. I love weddings. Just went to one a, a couple weeks ago for one of Alex and I's mutual friends. Oh, oh. yeah. Shout out to Rebecca. I don't think she listens to the show, but she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm super excited to be back on your guys's podcast. I told Alex that I'm feeling like I don't have all that much to say about Stunskin compared to like, you know, Maho Shoujo is like my bread and butter. Sure. I, mean, I mean, not like not in the way that Yuri is my bread and butter. That's mm-hmm. really my bread. And butter. But <laughs> Maho Shoujo is my 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 side vegetable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Stunskin, I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, I watched it back when it aired in 2011 and it's great. Yeah. I mean, I think I probably felt the same way as you. Like, I enjoyed it the first time I watched it, but revisiting it in this context, God, I feel like I say this every damn time. I get so much more out of it. Which makes sense when you're stopping to analyze something, you know, bit by bit. I don't know. I I think about the books that I would teach in like the classroom and books that I really didn't care about when i read them i loved when i taught them when mm. i got to pick them apart sentence uh-huh. by sentence every mm. line is brilliant <laughs> was there one title that like surprised you more than any other like in terms of the enjoyment you didn't think yeah i mean separ- a separate piece is going to be the big one i'm um, not familiar yeah it's said in a boys american boys boarding school post world war ii and i never particularly cared for it but i Loved it when I got to pick it apart. And That's one where the friend pushes his friend, or it's like a little bit ambiguous, but maybe he pushes his friend yeah. who he's like jealous of out of a tree. Out of the tree. And then the friend makes him take his place and train for the Olympics. But it's like during World War II and the Olympics isn't mm. happening. And like 
A weird book. Ben knows what I'm talking about. Hmm. It was fine. It happens that I'm my one of my favorite books of all time is Brideshead Revisited, which is similar but better. <laughs> it's also kind of, you know, homoerotic, like oh. boys, World War II okay. kind of. That's fun. Like, oh, mm-hmm. It's so good. So, <laughs> one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah, but I got a lot out of a separate piece when I actually had to teach it. Yeah, it's the, uh, uh, well, teaching as well, obviously, but it's the book club experience, exactly. you know, it's the it's the slowing down and taking things chapter by chapter, or in our case, episode by episode, when, you know, like Steins Gate, we've talked about this almost every episode, you're like, I want to watch the next one, because they lead into each other so well. It's yeah. so easy to just watch the whole series in a day or two. Well, especially the second half. Mm. I feel like once you hit that, like, episode 12 turning point. Yes, it's that roller coaster effect. You're like... I remember the first time I watched it. I think it took me like two months to watch the first half. And then I watched the second half in like two days. <laughs> right after it had been a sharing. I would believe it. I guess you already said this, Alex, but like it's so much easier to like Okabe now. Like he's yes. grown so much. Well, I'm, I'm curious to hear what makes you feel that way, particularly. He's a character that you know, I know is very popular in the community and I find deeply sympathetic um, despite him, his not being one of my favorites. Um, and I'm curious to hear what it is about him that you found less likable initially, but more likable as um, the series goes on. Oh, uh, uh, oh, good. Um, well, I appreciated like all the role play kind of stuff he would do for his different friends, but I do feel like, uh, maybe because of his lack of maturity, he didn't know when to turn that off. Mm. And then I also feel like, I don't know if it's just Okabe or maybe several characters were using these personas as like in some ways a healthy escape, but in some ways not. And it feels like things are becoming more real. And, um, you know, it was very significant when uh, Okabe called uh, Karisu by her actual name the first time. And now he just does it. And it's it, it means something to her every time, even though she doesn't remember it. I, I think to that uh, the flashback where you see Miyuri in the cemetery and like that scene that gives you, I don't know, like a lot more insight into who Okabe is and like why why he's acting this way. And to me, that really helps you like him as a character if you're sort of on the fence before then. Yeah, but you know, previously, I don't know if this is something that anyone else can relate to but like i've had some cringy moments in my past when i wasn't very socially intelligent and when i see that in another character it causes a, a reaction it makes me feel a certain way that's not positive mm-hmm. so i saw that with okabe a few times friend, friend shaman the germans yeah it's interesting because that's it's part of what i like yeah. about him is when i see the ways in which he is so uncomfortable with who he is and with with trying to be okay with being himself you know his, his persona his you know hyo in kyoma yeah is so much kind of a an attempt to make it okay to be himself because if i'm over the top mm-hmm. then it can kind of be you know laughed off as a shtick mm-hmm. right rather than being perhaps made fun of as being who I feel like I really am. I That part of him, I find, I don't know, deeply relatable and endearing mm. because even when he's messing up, 
Um, and I feel like he messes up, you know, a lot. Um, and I think we'll probably look at some of that in these episodes. I definitely feel like there's particularly in the first half of episode 18, a lot of him messing up. Mm. I think that he's so deeply aware that he doesn't fit in and also so trying so hard to do the best for those around him and wanting to be himself and the the larger than life persona lets him have the excuse to be himself in a way that if anyone made fun of it it would be okay because it's a persona it's you know not me Mm. um and i i I don't know i i find that that deeply relatable personally he's He's, I, I can see why he's a character that so many people have kind of attached themselves to for so long. I think for those of us who, you know, have never really fit in or who spent our adolescence, yeah, not necessarily wanting to fit in, but being aware that we were not fitting in. Okay. Um, mm. Can I can I push back a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Right, so one of the scenes with Okabe that I think a lot of people struggled with was he's doing his bit. And he goes too far and he makes Karisu cry. Mm-hmm. And he seems oblivious. And like Daru has to be like, yo, dude. And like, I, <laughs> that was very uncomfortable because I've done that. I've been that person that just mm-hmm. like took whatever stupid thing too far and just was not aware of how I was affecting someone. But I guess that's why I like him because, because I've been that stupid person too. Okay. And it's nice to see that you can be that stupid person and you can still grow. You can mm-hmm. still change. You can still have a good heart. You can still be worthy of love, even if you mess up sometimes. Okay. We can be friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mess up a lot. <laughs> uh, I just realized that Okabe is an anagram for B-A-O-K. Um, <gasps> what? Oh, that's sweet. But yeah, um, listening to the, the the three of you, I think I just put together that, uh, yes, I see the mistakes I made in my past. I see them in Okabe. And because I'm oftentimes not very nice to myself, that's an externalization of that. I'm not nice to Okabe as a character, right? Mm-hmm. But also, I guess I hadn't put together, I don't know, how cogently the reading Steiner ability codifies or represents neurodivergency. Like, oh, interesting. All of these alternate facts and stimuli that you are experiencing in your head that the rest of the world has no idea is happening. Oh, I love that. I've never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, that is fascinating. Uh, and I hope that insight makes up for the fact that I forgot to do a last time on for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Alex has charm. If we need some filler. I've been um, watching the original Sailor Moon when I'm up late at night. <gasps> Are you, are, wait, wait, I'm, I'm wearing my Sailor Moon bed sheet sweat cardigan. I don't know if you can tell, but it's her bed sheets. I love it. There they are. And it, it's really interesting. Like there's stuff like, you know, the, the fourth episode is like Usagi will teach you how to lose weight. That's the episode I always skip. Out of all 200 episodes, I watch 199 because I skip that one. But then like the moral of it is like you don't need to like lose weight. Well, I don't know. It's, it's sort of somewhere in the middle. Like, it's like, don't be too thin. Don't kill yourself losing weight. But but yeah, I don't know. It seems like so far the theme, it's like all these sort of like commercial things like jewelry or like fads and like how like like these, you know, like everyone always gets like hypnotized by some sort of like commercial thing. And then pe- people have to be saved from them 
themselves or their desires or something. And I don't know, it's sort of interesting. It's not just sort of interesting. It's my entire adolescence. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to lose Marley. We're just starting out. (laughs) If you guys ever, ever talk about Sailor Moon, which I don't think you'll do since, you know, 200 episodes is a whole heck of a lot. But you could like pick and choose and I could help you pick and choose. We could do a movie. We definitely could do a movie, but also something that I'm interested in and we should talk off the air about this is picking series or movies or whatever that was like uh, a a guess we really liked like whole world like their formative anime Mm -hmm. and then like having a special episode where we have them back on to just kind of you know gush about it or talk about the nuances well i was gonna say i'd like to do like a head-to-head of like all the old broadcast animes so do like uh you know speed racer sailor moon dragon ball z Mm. gundam wing pokemon because, you know, I have like these vague memories of like my feelings about them, but I don't remember much of the actual like content. I'd be curious to compare them. I can mm-hmm. always talk about anime classics okay. because I am a big believer in knowing where your tropes come from and mm-hmm. follow. Like I was actually just the other night I was talking about Prisu and Steins Gate to Paul because I don't like her the way everybody else likes her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... And I was talking about the Sundere archetype and I was like laying out for him the entire history of the Sundere archetype. He's like, oh, I, I didn't know all that. I was like, how could you not know where your archetypes yeah, come from? It's amazing. You have to know the history. You're a delight. Um, do you have a preference between sub and dub for this? Oh my God, sub. Okay, cool. Otherwise no I will kill you. Oh, okay. <laughs> especially especially because I was just telling like Alex Paris. that my very favorite voice actor is mm. Okabe. Right, 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 right. I have um, long followed his career. Um, okay, so we're starting with episode 17, and Ben will give us a count in. Is that okay, Ben? Yep. Uh, three, two, one, play. Re-explaining the same difficult thing over and over again mm-hmm. is exhausting. It's like mm-hmm. when I came out, I had to have like a hard talk with so many people over and over again exhausting yeah rough yeah it's a big episode it's a big turning point episode ferris i was vehemently anti-ferris i'm not completely on ferris's side i don't think she's a overwhelming force for good in the world but she was very brave she put someone else's life uh above her own happiness which you know we should all aspire to be that person but she also killed a capitalist my God, that is cold blooded. Okay, well, she gave up her father. That's good enough for me. Uh, and I know this isn't her uh, her motivation, but it is a mixed thing for me because she gives up her father and inherits his empire. Because now that's her penthouse. Mm-hmm. And now that's her maid cafe. She basically owns Akihabara. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's why she did it. I think that's the furthest thing from her mind. At least this episode leads us to believe that's the furthest thing from her mind but she did just do a huge power move in the world of of money yeah but i don't think we have anything to go on that would suggest that that influenced her decision sure so uh marley i heard you say (laughs) that you didn't believe that she would give up her father i i see the show trying to rationalize it trying to show how she kind of knows in her heart 
that this hasn't been real, that there's some real timeline that she's kind of influenced in a way that makes this not the truth. And therefore, you know, she should give it up for the sake of her friend's life. Mm -hmm. But when I think about different branches of timelines and I think, well, what's more real than anything else? And why is the one timeline that Okabe wants to get back to the one that's the most real? And I, I do find it hard to believe that someone would be willing to give up their father for a friend. Okay. It's just my personal feeling. I, I think the show does the best that it can do to justify it, but I personally find it a little bit unbelievable. So for better or worse, I sort of put myself in this situation, but with a different experience. A lot of trans people, we ask each other, like, if you could go back and like be born in the gender you identify with, would you do it? Always have mixed responses. Usually my trans friends who have kids won't change the past because they love their kids. Uh, Now in this specific scenario, like, Ferris is able to access this Steiner thing. And then like, it's assumed that she'll be able to hold on to those things when it goes back. And if I had that mentality, like if I had this opportunity to go back and experience the life of like my authentic self, that would be amazing. But I would give it up if it meant my kids being able to be born and exist. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it would be a great comfort to me if I if I got to have this 10 year experience. But I don't think it's not, it's not her kids we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's just a friend. No, 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 no. Like for me, it would be um, giving up my life as my authentic self. That I equate that with someone's love for their father. Like mm-hmm. my love for myself okay. as the life that I felt like mm-hmm. I was supposed to have. But you'd be giving it up, but you'd be giving it up for your children to have their lives rather than just for a friend. Yeah. And that's where I'm wondering if it's, different or not. like to me that's where i look at i'm like she's giving up the the life of her father whom she clearly is very close to uh-huh. and clearly um you know has a deep connected relationship with for the life of her friend these are two lives yeah. and i just have a hard time believing she would give up the life of the person that she's probably she's closer to yeah my personal experience is probably skewing my decision because I would give up my father's life for like a combo meal at, at Taco Bell. <laughs> well, <laughs> that would be fine. Just like, cause you know, cause, and I, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of us. Like I feel differently about the next episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but I just, I, I can't help, but think that if you're, if you're weighing lives, it's hard to believe that a teenage girl would choose. Yeah the friend over the father. Well, and okay. So she remembers some of her previous to the D male life, right? Mm -hmm. That she has this flash of the reading Steiner and the shots we get of her room. I think other than her dad, she's a very lonely child Mm -hmm. being in this rarefied air of being a rich girl. I don't think she has a lot of friends and I, I may be remembering things incorrectly or something, but I think Mayuri and her, are actually quite close. I think Mayuri is probably oh. the closest person to her besides her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the reason that I think this is because Ferris is the only person that says Mayushi. And Mayuri likes that for whatever reason. She signs her bananas, not Mayuri, but Mayushi. And like, if Ferris is the only one that calls her that, that must be something very special between them. Maybe she doesn't give up her life just 
for anyone. Maybe she gives her life up for the best friend she ever had. But since she got her dad back and didn't need that closeness from another person, then that friendship never flourished the way it did in the previous timeline. Okay. This is a very interesting puzzle that we're putting together. So yeah, on the one hand, like wealth can be isolating. So I could see Mm -hmm. Miori being like a very important relationship, especially if she can now remember both timelines. Trauma can be maturing. And then, you know, she was under distress. She was saying to Okabe, I can't remember the line about she's worried she's not going to be able to tell what's real for much longer. But, you know, like just when I think about just that gift of like being able to spend 10 good years with her father, maybe like in these weird sci-fi circumstances now of having reading Steiner, like she could decide that that's enough. That is under the assumption that she believes that she'll remember it. And I think what she gets is much more dreamlike than a real memory. Sorry, Ben, you said you didn't interpret it that way? Well, I didn't interpret that she thought when she went back, she was going to retain the memory. I think she knew she was going to lose that memory. She was just like, me knowing it now. But they addressed it. I interpret it the way Ben interprets it. Okabe speculated that she would retain those memories. I think to comfort her. He was like, I'm sure of it. And you're like, oh, are you though? Because no one has ever retained the memories but you, Okabe. You're like 17 years but old. How can you be sure? It's I guess maybe that. like on some level. Is is that what he was saying? Sure. Like some some part of you will remember it. But this situation's unprecedented. Like so far, no That's one true. else besides Okabe has been able to have awareness of another timeline. Has, That's true. Sorry, this might be spoilers. Has Mayuri had the dreams about dying? No, and I don't think yet. But what I think is Okabe's misstep is that in one timeline, he has a confrontation with Ferris that activates her. And in the new timeline, they don't have that conversation. Mm. But, you know, like maybe if there is some type of experience like that, then maybe people will be able to access these things. I want to be hopeful. Yes. And well, so you, you said something really interesting, Blixa. You said what an intricate puzzle we're putting together. And I think that these episodes, maybe the series as a whole, but like these episodes in particular, this and the one we're about to experience, there's a major theme of intricacy to them. Like the reason that the butterfly effect is so catastrophic, like how one tiny thing can change so many things is because you know, the universe is so intricate, like Mm. everything is interconnected. Your relationships mean something, your memories mean something. You know, we, we had, um, we had Sin and Sophie on and they talked about the, the magic of meeting each other that like this specific thing had to happen on a dating profile. And then her boyfriend had to meet uh, Sin and, or, or Sophie and like, they shouldn't be best friends, but they are, right? Yeah. And I think that it's it's easy to it's easy to find like, oh, I worked with this person for 10 years and like eventually we became very good friends. But I think even those relationships, like the specific instance of talking to them, the specific instance of stepping forward into a relationship, that is so intricate and precious that anything one little text message could throw everything out of balance. Well, and of course, so much of the tragedy of, I think, the set of episodes that you're now embarking on Mm. is that, you know, there was so much good 
that was done through these demails, right? Yeah. There was so much that they were able to set right. And this was kind of the, the hopefulness, right, of the advancement of technology, where we're able to make things better and realizing that you have to kind of undo it all in order to <laughs> keep anything you had. Yeah, this is like probably a good segue into our next episode, which is going to be very emotional for me. I'm I I'm I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, let, so let's let's <laughs> let's not bury the lead. So any 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 more thoughts on this episode or can we move on to the next well, one? Well, I, I I think when I think about Ferris's entire persona, uh -huh. and you know, especially when we look at, you know, this is a series full of characters hiding who they are under personas, right? We have Obviously, Okabe's like big Kyo and Kyoma persona. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, Rumio's Ferris persona. And this idea of kind of building something bigger than who you are to be. And I, like, fun fact, like, I worked in an Akihabara made cafe. Oh, um, wow. Awesome. <laughs> actually, like, right around the time this series, uh, just a little after the series <laughs> oh came out. This, is actually, this series is actually based on Marley's Why life. are yeah, we talking no, about obvious, this? Obviously. <laughs> but like when I think about, there were a lot of girls who worked there just for a job. Um, and, you know, and it was not a good job. Mm. And the, the girls who really loved it, the girls who made it their whole kind of persona, they were these lonely girls who this was kind of their whole life they were the ones who who owned their own uniforms that they would wear and invented these entire kind of other selves and this was their kind of bigger than life version of who they could be mm -hmm. um and i i i remember them in contrast to the vast majority of the people who worked at the maid cafes who you know were skeeved out by the bosses and this was just another paycheck yeah. and there was you know incredible discrimination and all that mm -hmm. kind of thing and i think about ferris and uh, if she's the one who is creating this entire world for akihabara about how she would be one of the ones who owned her own uniforms and who really invested mm. in making another self mm. for herself I don't know. It's it's sad and beautiful at the same time because I definitely believe in in making those selves mm -hmm. <laughs> and in like the power of that imagination and self creation. But I also think that the the women who did it often had lives that were not very fulfilled beyond their job. Yeah. So I was just gonna say, you know, um, re I guess Ferris having something like the reading Steiner, having that experience, then you do have that line from. Chrisu uh, at the end where she's like oh are you like as out there as Okabe um, and I don't mm. know if they're trying to set up like you know maybe that's why she had that ability that they are both weird or neurodivergent or whatever oh. in the same way that then has manifested in their weird personalities but maybe also that uh, ability I never thought about that because Ferris slips into her kind of cat persona so easily sometimes maybe reflexively when she shouldn't be doing it, just like Okabe does with his uh, Hyoin Kiyoma persona. I I don't know that how reflexive it is. I feel like with both of them, they're very aware. She only does it when she's wearing the cat ears. Mm. She is making a specific choice mm -hmm. that when I wear these cat ears, I am this person, I speak mm. this way. And 
I, I feel like with um, Okabe too, especially I think the farther we get into the series, the more we see him making the concerted choice, which he is and when he is it. And he may not really understand which one is his true self, because there are times that he reflects that, that Hyo and Kyoma is his true self. And yet we see him making the choice to be that persona in those moments. Mm. See, and you thought you didn't have anything to say about these episodes. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I said that I would um, defend this episode, like when the two of you were uh, groaning about. Oh, these... please do. Please do. Because, okay. because, oh. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just all agree that like harem things are like dumb and gross. But like, I just want to take this at face value. Like, I, I can pretend it's not a harem format. Like I can see Ferris and Okabe being friends and maybe this lonely girl has feelings for this guy and they've been through like weird, extreme things. And, you know, I didn't really feel like that scene was like overly like about male gratification. Like it felt endearing to me and it didn't really feel sexual or, or romantic. It felt intimate, uh, but I thought it was nice. Oh, which one? The one in her bedroom mm-hmm. when she hugs him from behind? Yeah. I, I don't find that sexual Agreed. at all, um, but I do find it male gratifying. I can uh, see that. I, I think she's definitely has, I don't know, she has very deep feelings for Okabe. Whether they can be classified as romantic, I don't know. I'm not talking to her. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't ask her that question. I, mean, I, I think it's clearly romantic, but I do think this show... Okay. Really? Clearly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's all blushy like you know we're we're trying to tell you that she is feeling things kind of way but but i think it is true that this show it doesn't doesn't like ogle its characters much it's like almost like asexual but like i think there are these potential romances with basically all the female characters i guess it ogles um what's her name suzuhara a little bit it's Mm -hmm. probably the the closest it's interesting to me (laughs) because it's I mean, you know, it has its roots in, right, in, in a harem game yeah. where, like, there are, you know, you have a different ending depending on which mm-hmm. girl he ends up with. Um, so it is built out of that. And yet I think, I feel like a lot of people were very surprised by the anime when it came out and how intricate and deep it was and not necessarily pandering to those harem root. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's preceded by Chaos Head, um, which was, you know, an- another in the same video game series. And there was an anime that was mm-hmm. not anywhere near as good yeah, yeah, or yeah. successful. And I think that um, Steinsgate manages to take harem, you know, potentially harem material, material that is meant to give you that kind of male gratification of I can choose any woman and whatever Mm -hmm. and turns it into something a lot deeper while maintaining the same character connections. And Mm. I think that's a lot of where the success of the anime lies. Mm. So this did come up with a previous guest, like the awareness of the, uh, the source material influence, how, how this is received, but I, I have no experience with it. So I don't know, maybe that's the difference, but also just in my own personal life, like, I have platonic relationships that are very intimate now. So I I know that like the blush thing is coded in this medium and that's okay. But I I just didn't receive it that way. That's fair. 
What I'm trying to say is Ben is wrong about everything. No, <laughs> no, no, but that's no, a cute baby, and therefore no, can't be wrong. Ben, I love you. You're great. <laughs> well, with that, are we are we satisfied with this episode? Are we ready for the next <laughs> yeah. one? Aye, aye, Captain. Okay, because this is the real tearjerker. Um, so yeah, Ben, whenever you're ready, we'll take us away. Cross three, two, one, play. Okay. I think we all had some very big feelings about this episode, uh, but I'd like to give Blix of the floor first. If if you have some thoughts you'd like to get up. Well, like first, I guess we'll have to address the handling of a delicate issue. Like we've, we've already said it, you know, this was 2011. We've learned a lot in the last 10 plus years. I think if this was being redone now, the language would be cleaner, you know, yeah. like this person was born male. The The sex gender thing is confusing for some people if you weren't educated on the proper vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So the intention uh, that I get is that for Okabe, it wouldn't matter what sex she was assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. Like she's still a girl, Ruka. And even though it's not said explicitly, it feels like after the change, the feelings will still be there. Whatever. I, I don't know that. God damn it. I think Okabe likes her. Uh, yes. She clearly is in love with him. She said so explicitly. But I just suppose it's difficult for him to reconcile his feelings. You know, like it, it's impressive that, that the first time they met, there's people that are harassing her because she was male, female presenting. And he backed her up and like didn't even know why she was thinking him. It was just like, this was the right thing to do. Beginning of a beautiful friendship. So, damn, this is really hard to like just verbally process on the spot. Um, I, I have a friend who recently uh, started an intimate relationship. They went on one date and then the guy told her that he couldn't see her again because he didn't know how he felt about dating a trans woman. And then she heard back from him a month later. He went and saw his therapist and processed it. And uh, when they reunited, like he explained, like he didn't want to hurt her by starting something that he couldn't commit to. And he wanted to talk Mm. to his therapist to make sure like he was genuinely ready to enter that relationship rather than like fetishizing someone. And that impressed me that he did that. And they are still together now. And I get it. If you're not part of the trans community, like it's an alien world <laughs> to you. And like the reality is like some people have genital preferences. Like you don't get to choose who you fall in love with. It happens to you. But if there is something like a genital preference in place, that's a hard thing to reconcile. And part of it's just education. I don't know if this is appropriate for the podcast to say, but like my genitalia is not the same as a cis man's genitalia. I'm pre-op, mm-hmm. but the HRT coming up on two years now has a profound effect. You wouldn't get that message from watching like trans porn, but like that's the reality. I don't know. It's complicated. I My heart breaks for Ruka. <clears throat> I don't know. She got to have this experience that a lot of trans women just fantasize about. She got to experience being born female. I can't remember how this show turns out. I hope she remembers some part of that. 
Mm. Um, but goddamn, what a fucking sacrifice. I don't know if I could make that sacrifice for a friend getting back to our theme from last episode. And it does seem like it's harder on Okabe this time around than it was with Ferris. Like, it, I think he recognizes the impact much more here that he's kind of asking of her. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me amend my answer. Like, if someone's life is on the line, yeah, I would sacrifice it. But fuck, it would be painful. It's so fucking yes. painful. Like, oh God, I don't know how to say this. I, I've been living as my authentic self now for about two years. And my life is so much better now. I'm so much happier. And like, not not just that, just like, not just I'm happy that I am who I am and get to say it, but like my experiences that I get to have are so profoundly rich. And it, God, it, it kills me to think about giving that up. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I do think Ruka is living pretty much the same life, right? Like for her, it really is just changing the genitalia everything else the way she acts the way she presents herself like she wasn't closeted right she was living pretty much the same life so it is sort of well we've got a lot of unanswered questions yeah this is kind of the knowledge of who she is it feels like even if she was presenting female in the older timeline you know there's something to be said for feeling like she you know, I think she feels that she has a more authentic claim on the title female mm-hmm. when she's born that way, sure, yeah. rather than, you know, dealing with the pain of the transgender identity. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that she feels she's not allowed to ask, like, Okabe to, like, be her, you know, sure. lover or whatever if she's born male. I think that does make a big difference, yeah. even if she was presenting. Female. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I have my assumptions, you know, like, she's still in high school. Uh, it's 2011. And she's growing up in a shrine or like whatever, the the temple in a religious Mm -hmm. household. I would be surprised if she was on HRT, if she had puberty blockers and then got on estrogen and a T blocker. So, you know, I'm not a trans medicalist. Like if you're trans, you're trans. It doesn't matter what you're doing. But like the experience is different. Like the experiences I was talking about that I've had in the last two years, it's because of the hormone therapy. Yeah, but it's like it's like almost like in the world of the show, she's like already there in like 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 she is just this super femme man. Well, she's young (laughs) and I know a lot of femme boys that look much more feminine than I do. Yeah, I I, I can't help but feel that in the world of the show. No, I I love Steinsgate, so I I don't want to be taken the wrong way. I think this is a wonderful show, but I do feel that if I were to be more critical, Mm -hmm. I would be saying that Lukaku's position in Okabe's kind of little harem here is more one to give that kind of tantalizing, like yaoi flavor, right? While letting Okabe be totally straight. Mm. Um, And I think that that sours it a little bit for me. It feels like she has been written not with the intention of giving, you know, a voice to trans women and representation for trans women, but with the intention of appealing to a certain type of fetishization that, you know, if we're looking at every member of the harem appeals to a different sort of person, because if you're going to create a harem series, you want to make sure there's a character, you know, a love interest for everybody, that it appeals to the people who want that slight kind of yaoi flavor. 
Okay. I'm probably being a little unfair and a little harsh. And that's why I give the caveat that I really love the series. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, Joey's normally consumed but by women or it's most commonly, I'd say, consumed by women. Yeah. Because in some ways I feel like this is more like for the the straight male with like some sort of like trans predilection or something like that. <laughs> like it's like mm. almost like that like category. I don't know. Like if I were to be like cynical. Cynical is the word I wanted. (laughs) Thank you. If I were being cynical about the show. Thank you, Ben. (laughs) Well, it's complicated, right? There's what the author intended. There's how everyone who uh, watches it interprets it. And there's also the age of it. Yeah. Like you're saying, like, Rukiko, when it shifts world lines, there's no dramatic change. Rukiko, Ruka does not suddenly get bigger breasts Mm -hmm. or suddenly... Yeah, there's that's that's the strangeness of this is that in the pre everything pre female world, Rukuko is in many ways uh, a trans woman's fantasy because she passes so well, right, so easily. But the fact that there isn't a big change, it just I think it just speaks to the earliness of this show that the author was trying to take on the subject matter, but didn't really understand the intricacies of it. This is probably not a trans person who's writing the story. This is probably a cis male person who is uh, coming up with this. Yeah. Interestingly, I did look up the voice actors, all female, both Mm. in the dub and the sub, which, you know, I wonder if that was like a discussion at all in casting. It's sort of, I don't know, sort of interesting either way they do it. Yeah. To be fair, a lot of more feminine men in at least I, I don't listen yeah. to English dubs, but at least in like the Japanese, um, a lot of more feminine men tend to be voiced by women anyway. Yeah. Well, Marley, do you feel like your cynicism might be partly fueled by like your knowledge of the source material? It might be. I'm always suspicious of media that involve that that revolve around a guy kind of saving a bunch of girls mm. and i mean and it, that's kind of at the heart of this show yeah. um is that he he needs to save mayuri he needs to save Krisu. you know it, it's interesting that that came up because we, we were talking about gotcha man earlier and while i was watching this episode I had this like parallel pop into my mind that like we have a cast that kind of looks like gotcha man we have okabe who's like the leader of like any science ninja team. But then uh, Makise kind of feels like the number two who is traditionally uh, a little rough edges and I don't know, pushes back a bit. And then Daru fits the, you know, the trope of like the big lovable bear person. And then like Maori, like in that uh, group of five science ninjas, there's always like the younger weird doofus. Mm She's my favorite. Poor little doofus. <laughs> we have like the hyper femme one, you know, the pink ranger or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, that's Ruka. Mm-hmm. And like, I really liked that idea. I don't know. So, so is, that, <laughs> is science ninja, is that like a, is that like a trope? Is that a genre? I'm not like familiar yeah. with that as a concept. What? Yeah. Power Rangers is okay. probably the most uh, uh, accessible uh, uh, English uh, language. So, so he's got to man serve the, and that's the first in that. Yeah, and because so they are leader, science ninjas, yeah. then the rest of them get called science ninjas, even if they're not science related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, no, there is a Japanese name for that, and I can't remember. 
Um, Kagakunin Jetai. It's not actually a trope I'm familiar with, although, <laughs> although like um like the the tokusatsu. Yeah, like, it's, it's you know, a genre of tokusatsu. Ranger genre, like henshin. Like, I mean, that's what in- inspired Sailor Moon. Yeah, right? yeah. Sailor Moon was inspired by mm, like yeah. But but you always have the leader, the hothead, the big one, the comic relief, and the hyper femme. Uh, and it's yeah. usually there's one girl. Like, but we have well three girls. So, so are you saying Ruka is the hyper femme? Yeah. Yeah. Which that's what Okabe says, right? Like uh, he he even like kind of idealizes it. He says like the most feminine person I've ever, no, wait, more feminine than any woman. And you're like, okay, that's very strong poetic Which language. interesting because she's not, I don't think of her as hyper femme. I just, she's a very soft kind of feminist. Yes. Yeah. She's not like, I'm going to wear all the bows yeah, and all like the that's pink more and glitter, glitter, every, like, yeah. Um, so like, I don't actually, I actually think of like Ferris as being mm. more hyper femme because of her whole kind of like yeah. maid persona. Yeah. Um, but Ruka's femininity like transcends mm. and it's like very sensual to her. Anyway, I was going somewhere with this and now I lost it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Gachaman. It's awesome. Yeah. Go yeah. from there. Okay. I understand like why we'd be suspicious of like this character whose like gender is like central to who they are uh, being like a fetish thing. But I I don't feel that. I feel like this is a complete character that's, you know, full spectrum and like we get to care about rather than something that's there just for sexual gratification. Because like I know what it's like to be fetishized. Like those people don't see me as human. I'm just a means to their sexual gratification yeah and there's media out there there's a lot of japanese media out there that does that too that is just fetishizing so even if it like started out that way i do appreciate that this show that we're watching makes ruka a real person yeah i i I completely agree i mean i think even if it is sort of that is the the fantasy that it's serving or like sort of what it's playing into you know, I, I think like the the mores around how we talk about this stuff, I mean, it's going to be different 20 years from now than what it is now, right? And I think the only thing you can do is like take your characters seriously, treat them like humans, treat them compassionately. And I think the show does this. And I think even the first introduction, there is that like, but she's a guy. And that's sort of like played for a punchline a little bit. And then that's like the very last line in this episode or the end of that sequence anyway but you know now it's like sad like like, and i don't know i just i do really like i think it's it's probably one of the stronger arcs in this show i think you know compared to like the ferris one that we just watched that just sort of it's just so much more shallow of an arc and i think this one really pays off this episode's i think much stronger than the prior episode yeah feels more significant than the Ferris episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I think a lot of these fe- female characters have feelings for Okabe within the reality of the show, but Okabe really has feelings for Ruka. I don't think he's into Ferris the same way that uh, he feels about Ruka or uh, Makise or Mayuri. I think those are the three you know, femme characters that he's he really has a deep relationship on some level with. Mm. So, so we've had two instances now of the character having this sudden memory from the original timeline. And I mm. think you had made a comment, Blixa, about 
you know, like what was the stimulus that led to that happening? Um, I don't know if you have like a theory about that. Like, so what triggered uh, the Steiner ability in Ruka in this episode? Yeah. And Ferris in the last episode, is there something in common between the two or, or what do we think is going on uh, with Ferris? Um, Okabe took her to the location of her maid cafe mm. and was describing it to her. And then she had that she collapsed um, with Ruka. They're on a date. She's on a date with this guy. She loves like as her true self mm. and is recalling like the, the day they first met, but she recalls it from the other timeline. And it's at, it's at the place that they first met. So that's interesting. Yes. It's like at this right? significant emotional place. And here's the real mind fuck. Like, she didn't remember how they first met in the timeline of the episode we watched. That's not how they met. She mm-hmm. wasn't a cis girl on the street being harassed by fucking whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But she remembered Okabe's thing that she was on the street female presenting. And these motherfuckers were like taking pictures at her and harassing her to the point where mm-hmm. he physically intervened. Fists clenched them running scared. I think that was her Steiner moment. So, so maybe it's uh, uh, maybe what triggers the Steiner uh, or this latent Steiner in people is uh, emotion, right? Is these really strong emotions? Because, like you know, when we think about emotions, you can point to uh, the context of it, or you can point to the neuroscience of it. But like the feeling of it, that's something divine. That's like kind of not accountable, I think, in in scientific terms. So maybe that's something that we could think about as like transcending the timeline well i mean you know in both cases with ferris and ruka they were also in a physical location that was personally significant in the other timeline Mm, okay and just to to play my role as a science truther so in this show um you know it doesn't get mentioned a lot but like carisu is supposed to be a neuroscientist right and Mm -hmm. you know they come up and i don't know they have like diagrams of the hippocampus on the whiteboard and stuff and i'm just sort of making this connection now but like hippocampus it's like um memories autobiographic memories yeah like that yeah. memories that we think of as memories but it's also um places and and locations and sort of the same structures that we use for navigation and stuff like that we also use like for visual memories. spatial memory yeah Oh, you know, there's some interesting things. I've always sort of wanted to, I'm sure someone has written this essay, but there's like the method of loci, which is like this memory technique. You imagine walking through a place you're very familiar with and you say you put the different paragraphs of your speech in a different room and you use that to remember. Any, anyway, so there's there's weird things with kind of hippocampus and places and memory. And I, I do wonder if going forward, we see that same pattern of people recovering their memories at these specific places and, and emotional mm. memories, like you were saying, Alex. Something to watch out for. And That's lo- so fast. Location feels very important to the show. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's said in Akihabara because it's, you know, the electronics kind of district, right? It's the place where there would be all the gadgets and mm. stuff that, like, Okabe and his, like, laboratory could, I, I, I do in bunny quotes, which, you know, <laughs> you can't see. But, um, <laughs> but that, that they would be able to, like, use all these bits and bobs to make their, you know, their inventions and yeah. things like that. But I feel, 
And you combine that then with this kind of cross section of the anime, um, anime and the moe and the and I do think that location is is oh. foundational to the series in a way that it's not to a lot of shows. Um, so I think that ties in very nicely to what Ben is saying. Oh, cool! Yeah. <laughs> I so I don't think I've mentioned this before, but I when I was in Japan, I lived for six months just north of Akihabara in this area called Akachimachi which is in between Ueno that they went to in this episode and Akihabara. Um, and, you know, there's another episode they mentioned, Ochanu Mizu, which was this place I would go to this sort of like language cafe at. And so I would often walk through Akihabara and all the maids on the street handing out the tissues and stuff. And The tissue. <laughs> I was always so mad when they would pass me by with the tissue. They'd like be like, "Oh, foreigner, well, if we don't want to, we don't need to give her our ass. Oh, oh, I'd be like, "Give me the tissue. Yeah. I want the free tissue." I have tears to shed. Come on. I, I would like, like, purposefully get myself in there. Like, that's right. <laughs> I want yeah. the tissue. Don't bypass me. In some ways, I think it's sort of a smart, cynical move to like make this thing to appeal to the otaku subculture or whatever. Uh, you know, set set your show in this place that maybe they're all at least familiar with and maybe have this relationship mm. with. But I do really like yeah. that about this show is that specificity of place, mm -hmm. the way that that works in this show. Yeah, that's, that's some art magic. You know, you make the the fiction as close to reality as possible mm. in hopes that it bleeds over. Because the um, crash location mm -hmm. um, in the show when I was working in Akihabara, they like had a like a you were there for that. piece like yes. to advertise the show uh -huh. Uh -huh. of that. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, as you pass it by every day. Right. Yeah. And of course, that plays because you're in the middle of the place that all the otaku go. So and at the time, you know, it was a huge show. Uh -huh. So everybody is familiar with it. And I don't know, that cyclicality is interesting that came up with another guest and we found the actual image yeah, yeah I've, I've seen that i've walked so past cool. that to go to work <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> you're our temporal link to the you show are. you were there i was there oh. i was doing my made magic to make the the omu rice <laughs> taste better <laughs> oh my god that's awesome um yeah, my last thing is kind of a personal disclosure. All right, so I will confess my bias. Part of why I'm like sympathetic to Okabe, even in like this kind of problematic episode, is because of it's something I can relate to. All right, so like I have girlfriends that are cis and trans, uh, but the reality is I do have a genital preference. And maybe that mm -hmm. has to do with some of my childhood trauma. Who knows? Uh, but it is like a hard conversation that I've had to have with previous partners. And that's just the way it goes in the trans life. Like intimacy is a delicate thing to navigate because some of us have bottom dysphoria and some don't. And sometimes our mm. partners have different kinds of bodily dysphoria or not. And you just kind of hope it all works out, but mm. often it doesn't. And, um, Basically, with every partner I have right now, I'm polyamorous, by the way, every single one of us, like, there's something that we have to figure out. Mm. And like, I would have written it differently, 
I wouldn't have written the dialogue that was said in this episode coming out of Okabe's mouth, but I've felt that moment before. Like, I care about this person so much, but we have this thing. And it sucks because you just want to love who you want to love and you want to be intimately close to them the way that feels right to you. But there's real things in place that are just hard to navigate. Mm. Well, and you might not come to any easy answers, but it, 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 you need, like, I think people in that situation, they, they need to do the same thing that Okabe needs to do here. Right. And like, this is my, this is the realization I want Okabe to come to again and again, is he has to let people in. He has to be honest with them and he has to talk, you know, instead of trying to shoulder this all on his own. I'm hoping in the next couple episodes that he will open up to Mayuri because Mayuri, he's doing this all on her behalf to save her life. And yet he hasn't asked her opinion on any of it. Mail save your car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fair. Yes, it is. I, I still, I love him and I love the show. I just, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The the flip, well, I was just going to say the flip side of this is, you know, I've been told by partners in the past, you know, just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to say it out loud. And like, you know, I'm trying to imagine how that conversation, so you're going to die. Um, I don't know. It is a little, you know, I, I don't envy him trying to figure out how to have that conversation. Yes, that's true. No, I mean, everything he's going through is incredibly rough and not to again stand my boy Mamormiano and his amazing voice acting here. Um, but I do feel like he does a phenomenal job of showing kind of the breakdown of Okabe as the series progresses mm-hmm. and just how much this is all wearing on him Agreed. as he tries to do what's right and tries to make right what really can't be right. There is no there is no timeline in which it is right for everyone. Mm. And that's oh. hard. That's a hard lesson to learn. You can't make, there, nothing is perfect. Okay, uh, we're having a wonderful discussion, but I do want to be respectful of everyone's time. So does anybody have any last thoughts on this episode or the series thus far? <laughs> That's, That's a good all. one. Tears, yeah. laughter. <laughs> okay, great. Well, this was really wonderful. I'm so glad we had you back on, Marley. Thank you. Um, so now to put you on the spot, uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? This doesn't go live for like at least a week, right? A couple of, yeah, two to three weeks. Well, it's not related to anime, but if in a week, if it's more than a week, I can say that uh, next summer I'm going to be directing uh, All's Well That Ends Well for Silicon Valley Shakespeare. Oh, um, awesome. At Park in downtown San Jose, and it's free. So, you know, if you like Shakespeare or, you know, you just want to like find me in the audience and talk anime, then should I do that too? Yeah. I guess I better you know plug what I can plug, even if it's not on me. Okay. Um, if, if anyone has developed a parasocial relationship with Mara, respectfully <laughs> meet her. I will always talk on me, yeah. even in Shakespearean context. Okay. And if, if our listeners enjoyed Steins Gate, do you have anything that you would recommend to follow it up with? Oh, see, and I have to admit that most of the time travel on me, don't do it for me, mm-hmm. but um, so I, I just, uh, I'm going to instead plug a show I just finished watching because it's just on my mind. Um, I was telling Alex about it. It's called a uh, Jibako Shonen Hanako-kun. Uh, 
uh, it aired, I think, two years ago about if you're familiar with the uh, kind of urban legend of Hanako, the like girl who haunts like the girls' toilets in like every <laughs> Japanese school. Yes, apparently. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've all had this experience. Well, yeah, duh. But the the series essentially focuses on a school in which uh, it's said that if you summon her, then she'll grant you a wish. And our main character, Nene, she goes to summon Hanako to like grant her wish. And Hanako is actually this male ghost um, whom she starts calling Hanako-kun. And she becomes like his assistant, helping him to kind of keep the balance between humans and the paranormal at the school. <laughs> and it's this wonderful, like surprisingly wonderful, spooky, ro- com- comedic romp um, with really great lore and surprising depth. And and my girl, Ogata Megumi, um, is the voice of Hanako. She's my if my Mormiano is my favorite male voice actor, she's my favorite female voice actress. And where would we know her from? You and you would know her from Evangelion. She's Shinji. Um, you would also she's uh, Sailor Uranus in um, Sailor Moon. She's a uh, Yukito in Card Capture Sakura. She's been in lots of stuff, but she's phenomenal as Hanako. And it was just a series that took me by surprise because right. I thought it would be fine, and it was much, much more than fine. It was laugh out loud funny. It was sweet it was surprisingly deep at times um and they just announced the second season coming uh next year i think so i'm the name excited again? Uh, it's called jibaku shonen hanako-kun um and i believe in english they call it like toilet bound hanako-kun which you know, <laughs> oh, really sounds yes. like something you want to watch I, right? I have heard of that yeah and it's actually it's very artistically rendered too like it's a stylish show in terms of uh the storyboarding oh, cool. it was, it was a it was a true surprise. I, I, I have a wreck that I almost brought up earlier because the intro sequence is very much uh, Sailor Moon inspired. But have any of you guys seen uh, Adventures of Fiona and Cake? like the new adventure time series on HBO. Oh, Monday. yeah, yes. I just watched it recently. Yes. And uh-huh. So good. Yeah. Agreed. Hi- highly recommend. I'm sorry, the adventures of what in cake? Fiona and Fiona cake. And it's an cake. adventure time spinoff. And like the word spinoff, when I hear that, I go, my brain shuts off and I'm like, it can't be very good. Uh, excuse me, Frasier was a spinoff and it's the best like American <laughs> of all time. Uh-huh. But-, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I totally agree with Ben. It's it's well worth the watch. Oh, good to know. It's interesting. Yeah. Wait, will I enjoy it if I haven't seen Adventure Time? I think yeah, I didn't finish. Adventure Time, and I still really enjoyed it. I've seen about half of Adventure Time, but if you hadn't seen any, okay. you miss out on a lot of jokes, maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of lore, but I think the emotions can still be there. Yeah, yeah it's just interesting that um, with with all of our guests, uh, Future Diaries and Erased never came up, which are mm. pretty popular. I don't like Erased. Oh. <laughs> no, I can't watch Future Diaries because um. Violence makes me faint, oh, like literally. It is very violent. Yeah, so I I, I can't watch that gotcha, one. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. All right, all right. I'm like the only person in the entire world who doesn't like Erased, and it makes me so sad. Oh, it's all right. Okay. There's no rules here. Cool. All right, this has been a joy. It has been a joy. Uh, is everyone ready to go? All right, all right. here we go. Pen. Pen. Pals. Will, Will you, you be, be my poison? Oh, Marley, so you gotta good. get that kudasai in there. Gotta be like as polite as we can. Yeah.